0: are listening to the Grassroots Sermon Podcast. For more information about who we are or how you can become involved, please visit us at grassrootswv.com. I'm inviting you to grab your Bibles and go to Matthew chapter 3. Now, as you're turning to Matthew chapter 3, I want you to um, Think about what we've been talking about in our series, but I'm going to read out of Matthew chapter 3. We're going to read the first 12 verses, and you might wonder, going, hey, we're past Christmas. This doesn't seem like uh, what we should be covering in this series, and then you realize, oh, okay, this isn't Christmas, but we're going to tie all of this together, this entire series we've been doing. We're going to tie it all together. So, Matthew chapter 3, we're going to start in verse 1. Uh, The verse will be on the screen either at home um, or here in the theater, or I I pray that you have your Bibles opened up. Uh, Matthew chapter 3, starting in verse 1. Of course, I'm reading out of the ESV, so if yours is different, you'll, you'll know why. So, Matthew 3, verse 1. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah when he said, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Now John wore a garment of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locust and wild honey. Then Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region around, uh, about Jordan were going out to him, and they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Let's pray. Lord, Uh, We pray as we hear your word that you would speak to our hearts. Holy Spirit, just move um, amongst us uh, in this room and at home. Lord, um, give me the words to say. I pray that I would just take a step back now, that uh, you would be um, at the forefront of what is happening today, that you would be heard, um, that your word would be proclaimed in Jesus, that you would be lifted up, that you would draw everyone to you. God, we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name, amen. Um, can we have a quick confession time? Now, some of you are going, okay, all right, I wasn't ready for this, but let's do it. Okay, uh, quick confession time. You Maybe at home, you might be in the midst of it. Um, raise your hand in the room if you've already undecorated from Christmas. Raise your hand. Okay, our family's the only one. Okay, real quick. Raise your hand if you never actually got around to decorating for Christmas. Okay, there's okay, honest. Okay, some confession there. So hey, this is honest time. So maybe at home you might be sitting in a house still in the chaos of Christmas, or you might be in a house uh, undecorated. But um, we're one of those ones, uh, Kelly and I, that like we love the Christmas season. If you come to our house on Christmas, uh, you see that everything changes. The pictures on the walls, uh, the decorations. Like we love it. We put stuff on the outside. Um, we absolutely love. Uh, just kind of diving you know completely neck deep into it, however, um the next day, okay, after christmas we're done like we're the ones that like take it down we're finished, like clean the house up, um you know burn the toys we bought you, whatever it is, like just get rid of it um you know we're 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 done we we don't want anything to you know <laughs> we're out but um I know a lot of people, and what, here, let's keep going with this. Who, who somewhere, you know, halfway through January, will be undecorating? Does anybody? Okay, okay, a lot of y'all. Is it February. Okay, we're done by then. Okay, we're done by Valentine's Day. Everybody's done by Valentine's Day. Okay, that's good, that's good. Uh, so the idea is that a lot of times we feel like, you know, maybe some of us feel like as soon as Christmas is over, we're, we're ready to go on to the next thing. And um, if you've been around all this month, We have been in this series, Hidden Christmas, a fresh look at a familiar story. That's what we have been looking at. That's what we have been talking about. We've been looking at the story of Christmas from the Bible and everything, just kind of trying to take some fresh eyes on it and see that everything that happened within that uh, account of uh, the birth of Jesus, there's more to it. Then, then we realize, and, and trying to take a fresh look at it. And if you were here the first week, or actually you weren't here, we were actually virtual, we did the genealogy that's found in Matthew, and, and through that we see kind of the jacked up history of the family of Jesus. But also in just the lineage of Jesus himself, we saw why we need a Savior. We see as men and women, as humankind, we need a Savior. We live in a messed up world. We are messed up people. And so we can see just in the genealogy why we need that. But we then saw uh, the fulfillment to so many prophecies. And if you're not familiar with the uh, prophecy, you know, hundreds of years ago, people, men and women would say things um, inspired by the Holy Spirit that would point us To Jesus. And so we see so many of those prophecies fulfilled in John chapter 1. And we saw where the Word became flesh. This is where Jesus, God the Son, came to earth in the form of a man in the flesh to be our Savior. And then last week, we kind of, I felt like last week we were teaching and then just kind of off a cliff. It's like, I felt like I left you hanging. But today's the reason why Last week, we looked into the account of Herod and how come, why, you know, because if you remember, I said, hey, Herod was like, hey, tell me where he is. I want to come worship too. And I was like, hey, Herod, good guy. That's awesome. Like when I was younger and read, and then you read a little bit further and you find out, oh no, um, he wanted to kill Jesus because nobody was going to have his throne other than himself. And we, we kind of look at him from a distance and kind of like, hey man, that's a bad guy. All right. And, and we, anytime, is anybody else like my brain, y'all? I said bad guy and I thought of wreck it, Ralph. I'm bad. And that's good. Because it's not, or it's good to be bad. I don't know. I'm sure, Luke, it's okay. I know it's like going through your mind right now. It's like, Dad, get it right. But you can tell me afterwards because I do want to remember. But, but we look at Herod and go, You know, that guy's evil. But what we also looked at is that um, we have thrones in our own hearts and in our own lives that we are not willing to give to Jesus. And we have our own idols. Uh, I do want to just quiz anybody here. Does anybody remember the three deeper idols that we talked about? Does anybody remember any of them? Control? Comfort? They're trying. At home, somebody's like... I've got it. If I was there, I'd say it. Close. She said acceptance. It's close. Comfort, control, and significance. Okay, these that all of our idols kind of boil down into one of those three categories of comfort, control, or significance. And and then we were just like, um, hey, you need to find your comfort in Jesus, you need to find your significance in Jesus and you need to realize you were never in control, uh, but Jesus is in control and finding you know, just your, your hope in that and then just kind of like, hey, we'll see you next week. It's like, well, what do I do with my idol? What do I do when the Lord reveals something in my heart that is evil, that is not of him? And, and how do I you know, go about getting rid of these idols? And so today, this is what we're actually talking about. Okay, Uh, this is what we actually see. If you were to read Luke's account of the Christmas story, okay, so the gospel of Luke, if you were to read the, the gospel of Luke, a huge part of that is Zechariah and Elizabeth, the parents of John the Baptist, John the Baptist being the cousin of Jesus, all right? And so we see that, you know, even John the Baptist, his birth was a miracle. His parents were older. They'd never had kids, and an angel shows up to Zechariah when he's in the temple. He's offering sacrifices on behalf of the Jewish people, and a you know an angel shows up and says, "Hey, your your wife is going to give birth," and and he actually goes, "Uh, you've got the wrong guy. I'm old. She's old. Um, I I, you may have you know taken a, a wrong turn at Albuquerque, and so you might want to correct yourself on that and and. From that, does anybody remember what the angel does to Zechariah? (laughs) She she said, he could not speak until John was born. And Zechariah, through writing it on a tablet, said, um, which real quick, kids, not a tablet that you're thinking of, okay? Like literally had like this slate uh, that he wrote on physically, um, wrote on a tablet that said his name is John, and then he was able to speak. Okay, and so in faith he trusted, and he said, "Hey, this is what God said. His name is John." And so the miraculous birth of John the Baptist, as well. Okay, and and Luke covers that in detail, whereas Matthew, we said last week, Matthew just kind of skips to, "Hey, Jesus is already here. Uh, the wise men come to see him. Herod gets involved, and now we see in chapter three, John the Baptist is out in the wilderness preaching." Okay, so Matthew's not skipping like he gives us a genealogy. And then just kind of rolls through the details after that. all right. So in uh, Matthew chapter 3, we are seeing the very beginning of that chapter. I want to invite you back to those verses uh, to see the first three verses. Look, it says, In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, "'Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand.'" For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah when he said, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Now, this is actually a fulfillment of a prophecy from Isaiah chapter 40, verse 3. This is another sign that is given pointing to Jesus that there is going to be one crying in the wilderness and and actually what we would call a forerunner, somebody who is running out ahead saying, hey, Here he comes, this is the one you're looking for, and that is John the Baptist. This is the fulfillment of that prophecy, and Matthew recognizes that and calls him that. So what is, I I do like to always look, is anybody else like me, whenever you see prophecy fulfilled in the New Testament, what was going on in the Old Testament when that prophecy was given? Like my mind always starts to wonder, like, why did Isaiah say that one is coming that'll prepare the way of the Lord? What was going on? What was actually happening is within the Jewish people, the nation of Israel, Babylon, okay, Babylon, that empire, was beginning to grow. And they weren't far, okay. Isaiah actually prophesies that the nation of Israel is going to be taken by Babylon, okay? into what's known as the Babylonian captivity. So they're gonna be taken away into captivity in Babylon. And, but this is the, the peace that Isaiah brings to the people, like, hey, but someone's coming that's going to set not just us free, but all men and women free. And there's gonna be somebody in the wilderness crying out to prepare for him. So given these signs, that's what's happening in Isaiah 40. And now we see hundreds of years later, we see, hey, guess what? It's happening. John the Baptist is out there going, prepare the way of the Lord, okay? Make the path straight. He's here, all right? And so then we see, I want you to, this is where we're going to get into the meat very quickly this morning. In verse 7, Uh I want you, I'm want. i sorry, starting in verse uh, 4. I want you to look at this. Now John wore a garment of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region about the Jordan were going out to him, and they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Everybody's going out to see the wild man. Okay, John the Baptist was wild. Like, look it. Camel hair outfit, leather belt, finding honey, eating bugs. Like... Like, this is the dude, this is the dude, if he's out front now, everybody's calling the police because that guy's crazy, okay? If, if there was somebody out front right now, camel hair, tunic, leather belt, eating bugs, wild honey, going, repent, the, the kingdom of the Lord is at hand, Yo, everybody's going, listen, this guy needs help, uh, he needs to talk to somebody, we need to call and get him some help, okay? But... In this region, everybody's coming out to him. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, his his preaching, God is using it. And they're confessing sins. Okay, they're confessing their sins. He's baptizing them. Listen, there is something going on here. But I don't want us to skip over what his message is. And this this is what I said ties back into our idols of last week. Okay, so verse 7. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to him, coming to his baptism, he said to them, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not presume to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Now, um, we're going to see in verses 7 through 12 uh, the message of John the Baptist that reaches back to verse 2. Okay, so if you have your Bibles, verse 2, I want you to look, it says that John the Baptist was preaching, verse 2, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, real quick, I just want to say this. If somebody comes to you and says, hey, repent, that's actually not like a big deal. Like somebody's like, you need to repent. Repent means quite simply to change directions. Okay, so if you're going uh, 100% this way, to repent doesn't mean you go, I'm just going to go this direction. No, it means to turn 100% and go the opposite direction. Somebody comes to you and says, you know what? You, you need to repent. Um, I don't think that's actually very uh, difficult to hear. Okay, repent. Kingdom of heaven is at hand. You know like you know what? There there might be an afterlife. There, there could be more to this than I thought. And, and I wonder, what could I do just in case? I, I always use this reference, um, even though you... you wicked people never watch movies. Um, So uh, do you guys, uh, the movie, and it came out back in the 90s, a movie called The Mummy with Brendan Fraser. Don't think the Tom Cruise junk that came out not long ago. Uh, Good one, Brendan Fraser. There's a character, Benny, in that that um, he's faced with The Mummy, and, and what he does, he pulls out this necklace, and he starts speaking in this language, trying to like almost pray to this you know this God, so to speak, and it doesn't work. So he pulls out all these necklaces and he starts going through all these prayers um, in these languages. It's a, it's almost like he was hedging his bets, like whatever religion is right, I'm I'm going to be right there so that I can be accepted. And and ultimately, what ends up happening, he speaks a particular language that the mummy understands. He goes, "You might be useful." Okay, and so I think sometimes when we think repent, we go, "You know what? You know there might be an afterlife, and, and I need to." pick one, or I need to go a certain direction, and so it's not that tough to hear, but here's what I want to give you is um, when we repent in any other way than recognizing that our only hope is in Jesus, then you're going to fall into one of two categories, okay? You're going to fall into the realm of either a religious person or a moral person, let me help you understand what I mean by this. Okay, um, the religious person, when they are told to repent, uh, they, they basically say, I will repent. I will follow all the rules. I will, I will find the list of rules and I will follow those rules. And then ultimately, when the end comes, I will be accepted by whatever God, for whatever religion you're following, has asked the rules to be followed okay? So, and, and that listen, that's any religion. And I want you to hear this, okay? Because right now, you might think be thinking, yeah, the, the pillars of Islam, or you might be thinking of the core teachings of Mormonism, or you might be thinking of, you know, whatever, whatever religion you're thinking of, you're like, yeah, then, listen, that's Christianity as well. There are so many people that sit in churches, watch from home, that are a part of churches, all over the world that are going, I'm going to follow the rules of Christianity. And then ultimately, when it comes to the end, God, Jehovah, is going to accept me because I have followed the rules of Christianity. But they've never actually put their hope in Jesus Christ. They've put their hope in, I will be religious. Or you fall into the, uh, the moral person category. And what the moral person category, what that person will say is, I will be good. I will be good. I, I won't hurt others. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to try to unpack this a little bit, okay? Um, even to the person that says, I'll just stay out of everybody's way. I'm not going to bother anybody. They're still just trying to live up to a certain level of Morality. I'm not going to hurt anybody. And I'm just going to, you stay out of my way, I'll stay out of your way. There's still this moral code that they're trying to live up to. And can I just give you, like, I'm not, if y'all know me, I don't like the mic drop moments. Okay. There's a lot of videos that you can watch on social media today. And I'm just going to kind of lay it out there. Please don't be angry with me. But it's like, guy destroys atheism in five minutes. It's like, you're not going to destroy atheism ever. Because people don't want to believe in God. Forget trying to make a five-minute cute video that you can get two million views on, okay? Got a little angry there. I apologize. Okay, so um, so I, I'm not big on the mic drop moments where it's like, I'm going to say this and just shut them up and I win the, the battle or the argument, okay? Because all you've done is lose a friend, all right? That's all you've done. And so what I'm trying to say is... Um, I do come to the moral person, and there is a question I often ask that I feel like, not that it's a mic drop moment, but it can hit in a way that makes you think, is um, the level of morality that you're living up to, whose level is that? Because what if my level is different than your level is different than the other person's level is different? Listen, and ultimately, it is definitely different than God's level. And and somebody's like, I'm going to be good. Whose good are you trying to be? Because some people, can we just agree, and I'm not going to get into, you know, kind of morbid details, but can we agree that quite possibly Hitler's good is different than our own good? But if somebody would look at him, I'm trying to live up to, you know, he might say, I'm trying to be good um, and and do what is best. And and we would go, that's not it. Okay, and so when we look at the moral person that's saying, I'm just trying to be good, then, then we would say, whose level of good? So, so, we look at the religious person and the moral person. All right? Both types of person will try to claim Jesus as their own. Here's what I mean the religious person, all right, I was tempted to use the words conservative and liberal, but I'm afraid that's too, um, everybody would take that too quickly into like political. And so, I don't want to do that. So, we're going to stick with the religious and moral. Um, the, the religious person will when when trying to uh, build their resume before God, they're gonna point to the teachings of Jesus that show right and wrong. Because they have to build a list. They have to develop the checklist of what they need to do and what they don't need to do in order for God to be pleased to them. So the, the religious person is gonna go to their checklist and and, and they're gonna point to Jesus and go, Jesus said, do do this, don't do this. You should do this over here. You shouldn't do this. You should talk to these people. Don't talk to these people. Be this person. Don't be, and they're going to claim Jesus as their own. But the moral person, they're going to point to the teachings of Jesus to just say, hey, we just need to be good. We need to love others. And they're going to claim that as their own. And then what they're going to start to do is build their idea of what, according to Jesus, what it means to be good. And that's where they're going to land, and never does either person ever put their hope in the cross and the empty grave of Jesus Christ. And we are left with two different people that are doing the same thing, and it's this word that's very prevalent in our society today. In fact, you can find entire uh, sections of books at whatever bookstore you can find. Does anybody just, I love going to a bookstore, y'all. And that's something. I'm so happy we had a bookstore open downtown because you can just go in there, even if there's you know, not books you're in. It's like, it's just good to be in a bookstore. I love going through bookstores. Um, but you can find entire sections in bookstores that talk about this. You can find website after website after website that'll show you what to do. And it comes down to the religious person and the moral person. All they're trying to do is what we call self-improvement. That's all it comes down to is they're trying to raise their level of self. They're trying to improve themselves to a level that they will be accepted by God. And all they've done is build their own religion. This attempt to whatever God is there in the afterlife, I'll be accepted. And if there's a heaven, I'll go there. If there's a hell, I won't go there. And all they've done is just self-improvement. Now, I know there's probably a whole other series where we can talk about self-care and um, where Scripture does talk about work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, um, where we are called to strive for holiness. I think you understand the difference in those what Scripture's talking about and what I'm trying to convey today. Okay, so just want to make sure that's clear. So each side will try to claim Jesus, but John the Baptist says something very specific because his message was repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And we see repent, what that means. A lot of people are like, yeah, repent, whatever, you know, I'll, I'll not do bad things and I'll do good things. And, and they get into building their own resume. But he says in um, look down, verse eight bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Uh, The best way I can quickly describe this, because we're running out of time, the best way I can quickly describe this, the religious and the moral person, what they're trying to do is do so much from the outside that it starts to seep in and affect the inside and get to the heart and affect the heart bear fruit in keeping with repentance is that the the heart has been changed. And because of that, that starts to flow out into the rest of your life. Is that distinction? Does that make it clear enough like, like I don't have much time to, to dwell on that? But instead of trying to affect so much the outside that it reaches your heart, your heart has been changed, and that seeps out into the rest of your life. That's why, listen, there's a whole section in the letter that James wrote that's in our Bible that talks about you say you have faith, but you have no works. He said, I'll prove my faith by my works. My life is changed because of what Jesus has done in my heart. And so just to help us understand this, I want you to to listen to this, okay? Someone's life will only truly change once they have truly repented. I'm going to read that again. I'm going to move on. Someone's life will only truly change once they have truly repented. Now, listen. And someone will only truly repent once they see their need for Jesus. How do we know we need Jesus until we see the standard that God sets, which comes down to one word. I'm not even gonna give you the chance to answer that. It's perfection. That's the standard God sets is perfection. And we look at that standard and we look at our religious efforts or our moral efforts and we go, we can't get there. And then we look over and we see Jesus and we go, but he did it for us. He, he lived that standard, and he died the death that we couldn't die for ourselves on the cross. He paid the penalty for our sin and rebellion against God, and he has done the work. And we look over and go, I need him. I don't have it, and I need him. Someone's life will only truly change once they have truly repented, but someone will only truly repent once they see their need for Jesus. And so we are left with verses 11 and 12 where John says, I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but the shaft he will burn with unquenchable fire. He said, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He said, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. But then he goes, those last two verses right there, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Listen, that is Jesus. That is Jesus. He is pointing the way going, Jesus is the one you're looking for. Jesus is the one you need. Jesus is the one who's done what we are unable to do for ourselves. But then he, he gives this illustration of the, the wheat and the chaff and, and the winnowing fork and the threshing floor and the barn. Um, the idea is that, here I'm going to get a little cultural with you real quick. Uh, they would gather the crop, the wheat crop, into uh, the, the th- onto the threshing floor. And what they would do, is they would sift it and they'd throw it up in the air and they'd sift it and throw it up in the air. Uh, and, and basically, that would begin this process of separating the unusable chaff, okay, chaff, however you want to say it, um, and the usable wheat, okay, the, the difference between the two. And, and a lot of times it was tough to see the difference, but there was a difference. And they would take the wheat and carry it into the barn to be used later, but then they would gather up all of the leftover useless stuff and go throw it in the fire and burn it and be done with it, okay, okay. Um, John the Baptist is saying, this is going to happen. There's a day coming where Jesus returns, and this is what he's going to do. He is going to gather those that have put their faith in Jesus. He is going to gather them and take them to be in his presence forever, and he is going to separate those that have not put their faith in Jesus. They've put their faith in their idols. They have found their significance in other things. They have found their comfort in other things. They have tried to control their own lives, and they've relied on religious efforts or moral efforts. That's what they're putting their faith in. Instead of putting it in Jesus, it Will separate them and be in an eternity separated from God the Father. That's what John is saying. Now, to go all the way back to the beginning, to tell somebody to repent, yeah, why not? To tell somebody to repent of their efforts in religion or morality. To let go of their idols, whether it be comfort, control, significance, and to put their faith in Jesus and Jesus alone, nothing else, that's the one people don't want to hear. That's the one we step back with and go, hey man, you, you, you don't know my grandma. She's a sweet lady. She's done so much good for so many people. Hey, can I just level with you? Please don't be angry at me. But I'm just telling you what the Word of God says. If she's never put her faith in Jesus, then all those moral efforts... I'm out to being separated and thrown into the fire. Man, my best friend, they've been my best friend since high school and, and, and such a good person, and he, he does so much for the community, but if he's never put his faith in Jesus. And I'm going to end with this, just to make sure anybody's like, I'm not angry <laughs> this morning. I think a lot of people hear a sermon like this and they go, man, that guy's really, must have been a bad Christmas, okay? Like, that's not, that's not what's happening God help me if we don't preach this, because it's the truth of the gospel, and it's why Scripture says the gospel is life to those that are being saved, but to those that want to reject it, the Scripture describes it as the stench of death. I don't know if you've been around the stench of death. That's a pretty vivid picture of what the gospel is to those that don't want it. God help us if we don't preach it. But God be glorified when we do. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for today. Thank you for the opportunity to stand here with your word. Thank you for the testimony of John, Lord, and Matthew recording that. We pray that today, um, as we end this series looking at the Christmas story, we see a huge part of it is the miraculous birth of John, but we have to look past that and see also... uh, the weight of what he preached, God, that we would repent for your kingdom is at hand. Lord, just uh, speak to our hearts, whether in the room or at home, speak to our hearts uh, that we would repent, that we would find our comfort in you. We'd find our significance in you. We would trust you with the control of life because it's always been in your hands. Lord, we love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, we are going to say goodbye to our live stream. If you're joining us from home, thank you for being a part of this. Don't forget, you can still give to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering by just going to the website or on your phone and clicking the link. Um, And then, men, look uh, Tuesday. The email newsletter goes out Tuesday. You will see the way to sign up for the Men of Faith um, conference on Sunday night, starting next Sunday night, 6 to 7. It's just three weeks so we're, we're just saying, hey, three hours of your time from your home, all right, log on and be a part, but you got to sign up so that we can send you the go to meeting link, okay? You got to have that link to be able to be a part, okay? So if you're joining us from home, we love you. Please let us know if we can serve you in any way, and uh, we look forward to catching up very soon. We'll see you all next week. All right, Um, we're going to go into our time of communion now, and just to help everybody in the room understand, um, if you're here and you know that you're a child of God, you know that you have put your faith in Jesus, this table's for you, Uh, but we do just want to remind everybody, listen, um, don't come to it in what Scripture says is an unworthy manner, okay? But I want to unpack that for just a second, okay? All of us have sin in our lives. All of us have things that we're battling, but it is through stepping to this table that we recognize like, Jesus, you took it. This is yours. You fought the battle for me. We repent of those things. So you don't have to get perfect and then come to the table. You only have to recognize your imperfection and trust God with that and repent of those things and then come and take of the cup and the fruit and of the of the juice and, and remembering that that bread is Jesus' body broken for us. That juice is the blood of Christ poured out. It represents those things. But we know that through this, God does amazing things. And so as we prepare for that, I'm encouraging you. uh, If you are kind of, I don't know where I am with Jesus. I don't know if I've ever put my faith in Jesus. Um, This is a beautiful moment for you as well. Because you don't have to worry about this. I'm just encouraging you to just ask God, like, hey, reveal things in me, God. Like, like, show me that my faith is in you. I want to put my faith in you. You get the chance to just, in this moment, wrestle with God. And that's a good thing, okay? But parents, I also want to encourage you, uh, if your kids haven't come to Saving Faith yet, um, this is a great time to walk them through, talk to them about Jesus, what this means, but, but they don't need to worry about this as well. And then, uh, you know, Man, I'm encouraging you, uh, husbands, lead your wives through it. Dads, lead your kids through it. Moms, lead your kids through it uh, in this moment as individuals. Just let the Lord work in this time. So I'm going to pray, um, and then I'll be down here to hand one of each of these to you. And so I uh, will meet you down here. But, uh, but we're not in a hurry. This is We're going to do this, and then we're actually going to finish today uh, in worship through song. Okay, And so we're not in a hurry. I hope you're not in a hurry. We're just going to spend this time worshiping through communion and through song. So let me pray for us. Father God, thank you for today. Uh, Thank you again for your word. I do pray that you would just, um, Lord, work uh, in this, in communion, Lord, uh, in our hearts. As we take this, Lord, we see it as a means of your grace that you you. Lord, use this to show us more and more of your grace, to dispense more and more of your grace to us, that we understand more and more of your sacrifice, Jesus, through this. I do pray for those in here that um, they know that they're a child of yours, that in this time they would repent, they would come to the table in a worthy manner, Lord, that we recognize we don't have any worthiness in and of ourselves, but we have it through you, Jesus. We are made worthy by your blood by your broken body. And so we step to the table, repenting of our sins and recognizing you. But I also lift those up that don't know you as Savior. Lord, that you would just speak to their hearts through this. God, just that they would wrestle with you and that you would uh, open their eyes, give them the faith they need to believe. Lord, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.